<laughs> no kidding. Oh gosh, man. Did you just come out of the woods then? Just got off the hill. Is it any good? Well, I got beat. I hit a Y on the fork, went left, and someone went right. And when I turned through, the bastard freaking beat me up and got through the trek. He was a good friend of mine, so it was no big deal. Oh, so you didn't get turned loose. He said something beat you to the track, like before you can even get the dogs down. Oh, no, me and him, yeah, we love each other to death. But if he gets to the track before me, he's not waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and neither do I, so fair is fair. I had buddies like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't. You guys got some of those guys get up super, super early in the morning to get on a track and, and, and sit on it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's, you know, beginning of the season, I'm generally up at two or three and, and hitting it, you know, as, you know, four or five days a week. And once February rolls around, it's like I wake up at four and then I wake up at five and then I wake up at six and then <laughs> six with coffee, six with coffee play on the Instagrams <laughs> and, then, and then I'm on the hill by eight, eight thirty. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? You, I, I like camping because you know, you wake up, I had, when we were on a, a cougar hunt is years ago, we had a camper set up there and, and uh, I had a buddy, uh, he, he, he lived up in the area. This was in Washington. This was like the 10 years ago, whatever. Laura's right. cat actually. And he'd pull into camp and he'd already run all the roads out and he you walk out a cup of coffee, he'd be like, Well, there's one over here, there's one there. Well, he just give you the whole layout. He's like, Well, let's go mess with that one first, and then we'll go hit the one. I was like, right. perfect. You know, you roll out and have your coffee. Yeah, I have not a moral. All, all the early birds run run that run the road. You know, I I generally I I am about the five, six o'clock in the morning guy. This lion season though, I got a little pepped up, but yeah, it's you know, I don't know. It's, Sometimes, sometimes I get up early. Sometimes I don't. It seems like it doesn't matter what time you get up. A guy can cut a track, you know? Yeah. Generally the guys are out there at one, two o'clock in the morning. They're freaking half asleep when they're checking and they run right over the thing. That or I've caught so many cats walking on top of other guys' snow machine tracks. Doesn't that make you feel good? Like even, isn't it like an <laughs> extra special when you do that? Oh, bud, it's awesome. Especially yeah. when there's guys out there that try to, you know, they, it can be a little condescending, you know. Like, hey, Lopez, you got to get up a little earlier to beat us up the hill. And it's like, yeah, I know. Roll up with your coffee. And... They're out there slamming these canyons. I had, I had one guy a few years ago, you know, he was coming down off the canyon when I was parked at the bottom. And he's like, what are you doing? I says, oh, I'm just going to take a nap for an hour and see if something crosses behind you. And he just looks at me. He's like, man, you're just wasting your time, you know, and he takes off. And I'm like, oh, right on, you know, it's all good. I went over there and checked and came back and I was just following him. And there's one canyon that takes a while to get in and out of. And he comes back and I'm sitting in the truck playing on the Facebook. And, and uh, he comes in and just looks at me through the window and he just nods his head. Hops on his truck and goes, I jump in my snow machine. I drove 600 yards in that canyon and he run over big old Tom track. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was quite comical, you know, a nice guy and everything, but you know, it's, that, that's how it, that's how lion hunting is. You guys know. You guys know how. It is. Oh yeah. You can't cut a dog before daylight over there, right? No, sir. No. That's what I was thinking. No, no, no nighttime hunting over here. I mean, we can we can run for tracks all night long. Just no. look for them and park on top of them. You know, yeah, that's that's a lot of guys will do that. You know, they'll they'll look for them if they cut a female, they'll put a boot track on it and then. 
you know, they'll keep looking for that big Tom. And if they don't cut that big Tom, they come back. And, you know, we kind of have like a, like an ethical type deal to where if there's a boot track on it, that track is reserved, you know, until <laughs> daylight. But if I show up and it's five minutes past daylight and that fella ain't back, I'm turning loose. I don't get it. <laughs> so explain that to me. Cause if I come over there, I'm going to be that jerk. Like I don't know the rules. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a track. He checked it. You're going to get run out. Is what will happen. Half the time, my dogs aren't even tied up. Like I just rig them. And so, if they smell a track, they're, yeah, I seen a post. I was looking through your Facebook trying to do some homework, and I see one that says the girls make the decisions. <laughs> That's about how it works with me. It's like the girls are making, they decided they're going to take that track and go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's not the case with us. We don't rig cats over here. You know, we just, uh, we're all snow hunters for the most part. So everyone's out looking for those freaking holes in the snow and, and and if you find one and you want to keep looking, you know, you put a couple of boot tracks on it and, and then you keep on trucking and, you know, even it, it's kind of, it's kind of nice because even amongst a lot of guys that don't get along, you know, they'll still, they'll still kind of respect that aspect because sometimes you'll have a cat cross road and, and uh, there's another road two or three miles ahead that uh, you, you can block off and maybe he left that block or something like that. And yeah. a guy wants to make sure that uh, the cat didn't leave the circle and, you know, and, so you don't want to just sit there and then somebody hopscotch you and, and hop on that trek ahead of you. And if, especially if you got there first, you know, yeah. a lot of guys take that line hunt really seriously. And so we all just kind of, we all try to play by a certain, certain rule. The and then at a certain time after, after the daylight. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man, if it's freaking, if that sun is just creeping and that fella ain't there, I'm turning loose and they come back and <laughs> you <laughs> They want to jump on my case. They can jump on my case all they want. I generally just invite them to run with me. That's all. I, <laughs> hey, turn your dogs loose, huh? You pack Phil with you in case things get hairy. We we heard all about those. Oh, oh my lord! We've heard all kinds of stories in the last week. I just got off the phone with Cody Hilliard, so you know my ears got full. <laughs> oh my! <clears throat> We're gonna hit you from all different sides. We got we we got you surrounded. Oh man! Everyone says that it's me that freaking gets the story going, but I think it's those guys. Phil is—I'm like a—I don't know how to say it. I'm a—let's just say I'm a reformed individual, so I try to be as much anti-violence as I can be, you know. And that was a that last podcast you guys had with Phil. I was listening to uh, Phil is—if <laughs> you guys would have been there, it's like you know. I don't think Phil's ever had a gun pulled on him you know before i have <laughs> like i said let's not talk about anything that's happened to me before i was 23 you know but i i've had i've been in some situations and it's like okay the guy's got a gun he's got his hand on it i have nothing you know i got a snowball man that's he's it out. <laughs> i look at it as well you know remember when you were 20 years old and you're, and you're like yeah that, okay well don't want to get in that situation that's what i think and Phil, you know, Phil's a typical Montana guy. I've hunted with piles of guys from Montana. Those boys from Butte, you guys think Phil is uh, temperamental. Those Butte boys can be a little, they're, they're pretty scrappy. We'll just put it down. <laughs> they're their own breed. Oh, my gosh. Yo. Yeah, they're some of my best friends, and I'll tell you what, I don't have to worry about anything. It's like the whitest gang you'll ever see when you're out there hunting with those Butte boys. You we go out there and check canyons. It's like part in the Red Sea. Everyone just moves aside. I'm, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. But, you know, Phil is like, Phil gets a little temperamental, and I'm looking 
in all honesty, while we were driving up to that house, I was looking and I saw that the uh, that his framing on his door was off. And I thought, well, I can credit card opening that freaking garage door if it's locked, you know. And I'm thinking, well, if the guy doesn't want to let us get the dogs, then I can break in. I can grab the dogs. I can figure something. <laughs> you already had a plan. You're like, hey, Phil, we're making a scene here. It's going to be well, harder for me to get yeah. back and break into this guy's house. To- I'll be back at dark. I'm thinking, you know, I have a wife, five kids, and a new one. You know, we had a little too much whiskey one time and decided to have one more baby while we're old. So that's okay. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to get shot. So I'm like, I got to play the good guy. Phil's starting to lose his temper. And, you know, and long story short, you guys, Phil told the story pretty accurately. I was trying to, I was trying to de-escalate the situation and Phil finally succumbed to my begging and pleading and we walked off and I'm just thinking to myself like goodness mercy Phil <laughs> you know because Phil told me he was born again Christian and he's turned his life around I'm like Phil you still got things about you that you need to <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. hey I'll tell you so it's funny because there, there, you're just saying there's levels of born again Christian that Phil has not accomplished well, yet you what you're telling me. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> because with Phil like I feel like I said, I've known Phil forever. I feel like, uh-huh. you know, like we're the same people. And there is that little piece, like I'm the nice guy most of the time, but when you flip oh, the you, switch, yeah, it flips pretty yeah, hard. I I don't think I would want to see Phil in a freak out mode because I've seen myself there and it's a, well, no, <laughs> a major it, swing. <laughs> yeah, not with Phil, not with Phil. Cause Phil is, Phil is definitely that guy. Really nice. You know, I, 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 if you want to talk about how nice Phil is, I sold Phil a hound a few years ago for, you know, fairly cheap. And I told him that the dog was, was starting to lose his eyesight. He was just looking for a pup trainer. Long story short, Phil calls me like a month later. He's like, man, you sold me a blind dog, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I caught a cat with him. It was my son's hound. And we caught a cat just the day before Phil picked him up. And I'm like, I didn't know it was going to go that fast, and I apologize. Well, Phil did everything in his power. He took him to some specialists over in the West Coast and spent a lot of money to try to get uh, Slim's eyes fixed up and, or at least keep him from losing his sights. And watching him. Anyways, I, I uh, ran into Phil at the Lolo trials, and he's like, here, man, you just take Slim back and, and give him a good home. You know, just a nice guy. And I said, well, let me give you your money back. You know, I flat out said, I have the check for you. I gave him the check, and Phil's like, no, I don't want your money. You know, that's just the type of person Phil is. He's like, you, you're honest with me about the dogs. You told me he was losing his sight. You know, I, I got him under a few trees. I got my pups under a few trees. You know, he served me well. He just, you know, we just weren't expecting it to go this quick. Never took my money. Never took my money back. He said, I'll keep the check, but we'll just use it as a deposit on a bobcat or a lion. And I says, I can't. You can keep that deposit because I can't afford your gosh damn mounts anyway. <laughs> he doesn't even have a damn layaway plan, nor does he take food stamps. So it makes him think I'm going to be able to get him out. <laughs> He's turning money away. He's turning us, us, us little bobcat guys. He's like, yeah, you guys just stay away from me. I'm going to send you to Missouri. It's not worth my time. Yeah, I caught a pretty nice Tom here a few years ago. Nice Tom Bomber. And I called him up and I'm like, hey, Phil, what uh thinking you know maybe maybe the friend discount you know <laughs> hey how much for you know what would you think for a nice tom bobcat you know i was like yeah three thousand bucks mate i'm like oh <laughs> well, you know i'm a drywall contractor don't ever ask me to do a damn patch job at your house <laughs> yeah but that's bob. your price <laughs> yeah. bobcat mounts <laughs> come in there and fix your shit up <laughs> oh that's funny yeah he's he's super nice guy really nice though well, we, we should probably introduce our guest. We've already had a couple laughs. We got Nate Lopez. 
he was kind of introduced by Phil Susie on the last podcast. He got, I don't say, oh, if that's introducing, that was kind of like thrown under the bus. <laughs> yeah. We had to, we had to bring Nate on so he could at least redeem himself. We get on Facebook, Jason, and I see uh, somebody. It's like a preacher and a preacher's son, and I'm thinking, crap. <laughs> so I had to message Nate. I'm like, dude, are you a preacher? Because <laughs> I, I gotta apologize if I've offended you. <laughs> I might have called you a stripper, and now you know, now I find out that you're a preacher. Heck no. Oh, so you're not a preacher, Nate? <laughs> None of this. No, sir. I, I am not. My dad. My dad's a minister. My mom's a teacher. And my dad's a great preacher, and. I like to attend his services. He's got a small church over in St. Anthony, Idaho, and he's he's just one of those good down down earth fellas. He'll preach to you on Sunday, and he never judges you. And we'll go out there and have lunch and drink beer together. That's just that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah, good who was it that uh, who who made that comment? Oh, that was my mom. Yeah, Phil. You know, it's funny. your mom. Yeah, she was like, oh, that's one of those times when I'm like, this is yeah. why you can't bring a hound guy to a nice event yes. because. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you just you invite your helm friends over and they screw it all. It's like, mom, no, no, mom, he's he's he really he's cool, so, mom. He's cool. So, mom, I apologize right now. I am really not as bad, uh, and I called your son a stripper. That was just a joke. It was a bad yeah. joke, and so I apologize. <laughs> you uh, did the best yeah. you could with him. <laughs> actually, you know, Phil. Phil actually, you know, got a hold of me. He's like, hey, uh, I'm sorry if I got a little under the bus with you. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I wouldn't expect anything less from my friends. You know, right. you give me grief, I give you grief. We all having a good time here. And Luckily, like, my mom doesn't just, listen to yeah, these. So like, I, I'm, hope, I hope I'm still safe. My wife doesn't listen to these, yeah. so I'm like really safe. <laughs> he's like well i just hope i didn't offend your mother and i'm like are you kidding me i said said, well actually you know mom she's gonna stand up for her family no matter what that's just the kind of family we have and and phil's laughing and i said you know what the funny part is is mom's the most offensive out of a lot of us and and she's the white one mexican and mom's white and then dad just kind of he just sits back and he chuckles and mom gets a little vocal sometimes you know so she's the one to be scared of that's funny (laughs) funny. I just remember looking at that and I was like, doggone it. <laughs> like just <laughs> no. One of the ones that we had to we had to redo Phil the first time because we messed up. We went almost you know too far on some stuff. So we're like, yeah, we probably should pull that down. And then I get back on Facebook, I'm like, we went too far again. <laughs> so dang it, man. No. Oh. No, you never you you'll never go too far with me unless somebody's intentionally trying to attack my family. There's no freaking Hey, we know the company you keep, so we already know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you originally came from Texas? Moved up from a little town called Dumas, Texas in 1996. Yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a funny story too, but uh, yeah. Well, what let's happened there? Did you get kicked well, out? Or did, did, yeah, like, no, how- I... I, I was pre twenty three years old. Include my my pre twenties life, yeah. but I, I uh, that's the first place we go every time. You're like, uh, no, I. Uh, it's a trick question <laughs> when I'm like, hey, is there anything to stay away from? And you're like, yeah, anything before twenty three. I'm like, well, that's the first place we're going. I got I got put on a bus straight out of jail in uh, Dumas, Texas, and uh, had a one way ticket to St. Anthony, Idaho, to try to start my life all over again. Oh, really? Yeah. I was on the I was on a Greyhound bus. My old man moved up here to Idaho, and I was in, locked up and incarcerated. And he says, "If you want to start your life all over again, come on down." And that I did. So hey, there you go. So what? Okay, now now you totally like you can't do this, Nate. Like you, <laughs> it was one thing he said. 
Um, Jason, am I lying? Before we hit record here, we're like, anything to stay away from. And he's like, anything before my 23s. Anything before 22. <laughs> and you can't do this to me, Nate. Like, I am totally like, what? Okay. You got, let's hear the jail story. I got to ask you about it. We, we got sound effects. You got, you got, you, you can play the fifth, but it doesn't work for me. No, no. I, I, uh, I'll just leave it at this. I had a rough life when I was young and, and uh, going down the wrong path and decided to make a change. In Idaho, change. Are the dogs a part of your, your recovery? You know, to be honest with you, the dogs have been, uh, it's been, uh, I'd have to say that uh, the hound hunting and, and, and just, uh, you know, I was always a fisherman when we lived in Texas, never got into the hunting, but when I came to Idaho and, and got into the outdoors, it was, it was uh, definitely a life changer for me. You know, you, you, you don't know what to expect when you move from one state, one culture, you know, certain society, a certain group of friends, and then you move over to, uh, you know, to another state. You're, I think I was 19 years old and thought, well, you know, to see what we have here. And I always liked to fish and the fishing was good. And then got an invite to go hunting with my old man and I enjoyed the hunting with dad and then, you know, as time went by, I eventually got an invite to go bear hunting, set some baits, and I enjoyed that. And, and then I had a couple of guys hit me up for bear bait. I worked for Wonder Bread for a few years, and uh, they knew that I was like the bear bait hookup. And, <laughs> you made best yeah, friends. I made some friends with some hound hunters, and they're like, look, man, we'll catch a bear for you if you give some bread. And I was fairly new to the state still. I was... I was in my very early 20s, and I thought, well, I don't know what this is like. I'm going to try this, too, you know, and they took me out, and we went over there. We caught a sound of cub, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. When I got there, I knew exactly what I wanted to do in Idaho, and that was it. From then on out, I, I bought my first town within a week of that trip. Oh, yeah. And it was nonstop. I mean, the first three months of my hound hunt career were freaking at least three porcupines a week. I mean, <laughs> just nailing it. Yeah, dude, I was, I mean, if there was, if there was a market for porcupine quills, I would have been a millionaire. I mean, yes, I'm going to the same, the thing with me is I'm hard headed is I want to be successful. So I go and I go and I go, I never read books. I didn't ask anybody for advice. I just went and I went and I went and I went. It ended up costing me a lot of freaking long nights pulling quills. And when you work for Wonder Bread, you got to be at the depot at two o'clock in the morning to load your bread trucks up. So. That's you know, sometimes I was pulling quills till 1.30, washing my hands off, throwing the dogs in the kennel and going straight to work and coming back and going back to pull quills. And then after the last quill was pulled, sleep for a few hours and go back to coon hunting, you know. Wow. And it, was, it was nonstop. Huh. Yeah. I Ambition. It's contributed yeah. to the life I'm leading now. <laughs> so, so, how, so how old were you when you got your first dog then? 19 or 20? I was... No, I wasn't 19. I want to say it was in 2004. So, good gravy. That was uh, 16. Math is not your strong suit, is it? Also, 17 minus. Neither is yours. How long ago was that line done? I'm judging him like I could do any better. I don't even know what age I am right now. I was already 30 when I, uh, yeah, I want to say it was my early, late 20s. Maybe 30. I think that's 2004 is when I got my first hound. So at 2004, 2014, 50, 60, 70. So I can't do that. One of you guys can. <laughs> Old timers is kicking in. It was, 
So, so you, uh, it, it was later in life is what basically. Yeah. He's running a calculator right now. For I am running a calculator because I got to know now how old I was. <laughs> I can't remember this stuff anymore. See, so 2021 minus 2004 is 17 and 43 minus 17 is 26. I was 26 years old. That's not too bad. No. So you were just past the the the, the years that were not to mention the the. When exactly. Yeah, I was in that buffer zone. I was I was kind of I I hunted elk for a few years, you know, and I had hunted. I'd been on I'd hunted a deer for a few years, and I think I had sat baits for a couple of years as well. You know, I was starting to get to know the outdoor world pretty good. But you didn't you didn't hunt in your younger years uh, at all. <laughs> well. You know, when when I lived in Texas, we we uh, we fished a lot and and we brought home game to eat. Yeah, you know, <laughs> fair enough. You know, it, it's what it is. <laughs> yep. No. So we put food on the table. <laughs> but, but but I guess my question is is um, you didn't have a real solid role model young to get you in the hunting. No, as a passion. So, like right now, like a mentor for for me. My my father was always been there, and and I'm I'm into hunting because my father took me at a young age. And no, so, that's where the fishing is with me. My father, my father and I fished since I was okay. since I since I was born. Dad took us fishing forever, and I'm the only one that stuck to it. And that's still you know anywhere. And if I set up bear camp anywhere, sometimes I'll pick a spot and hunt for a week or so I'll, I'll always bring a fishing pole with me because it's always they're hunting in the morning and fishing in the evening it's okay. you know that, that that was what my passion was with my dad and that's what and my dad is the one that introduced me into the outdoor world but through fishing yeah no that makes sense and then, so the hounds you, you kind of just you found that on your own and see i i didn't i wasn't introduced by hounds by my my father at all uh-huh. it was just deer and elk hunter you know deer and elk and mm-hmm. um that was pretty much our hunting, you know, right. dedicated, you know, that we didn't miss a season, but, um, but the hounds came, came late. So that's interesting that, um, at, at 26, you kind of just fell into it and, and now you're, you're, you're heading deep. I'm your, your head. I was still, you know, there's, there's a lot of individuals out there that know who they are, you know, know what, how do I say it? They know what they want to do with their life that they, you know, I was, I always had issues with uh, trying to find where my spot would be here in this world. And I'm not lying. The second I walked into that first bear tree, I, I knew, I knew this is, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, <clears throat> whether I make a living out of it or not, you know, this, yeah. this is what I'm going to do. So, what was it that you think made that decision? I mean, if you can remember you that. Know, the, there's a lot of things, you know, that I, I knew I was there with people, but the solitude, I, I like going by myself a lot. I like it just m- me being outside. I, you know, I was never really, I'm not really a very successful deer elk hunter, but I, I do like to be out by myself. And, and just that solitude is, is really therapeutic for me. And, and just to think that I could go out there with a few hounds and, and go pursue game. Maybe that's why, that's why I went three, four months catching porcupines before I ever caught my first coon. You know, I was enjoying being out. It was never traumatic until I got on that damn porcupine. You know, everything was great. <laughs> it, was all, it was all fun and games until the porcupines. It was all fun and games until that quote pig showed up, you know. It's just that, that's, uh, 
Mm. That, that's what it was. I, the fact that I knew, and you know, we had hiked two miles then, and, and we were in an area where, you know, I, I don't think too many guys have hiked into. To, to know that you're out there and you're disconnected and, and uh, you know, just away from it all, that, that sensation, even though I was with other people at the time, was, was overwhelming. And it, it was definitely something that I knew was going to be um, what I wanted to do, I guess. When I you know, it takes, um, it takes a mental toughness to, to do it alone, which I don't, I don't think a lot of people um, sometimes realize how to be alone in the woods, even with your dogs or whatever, um, th there's a lot of anxious stuff around that. You see a lot of people that hunt, that only hunt with other people or, or whatever. Right. Um, even deer and elk hunting and stuff like that, you know, um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but right. to go out and be by yourself for a long period of time, I mean, I think by human nature, we're, we're communal, like, like Phil says, you know, we're communal people and we are. We're very social type individuals, you know. Just, just we as humans, we we have to have company, you know. And we we we're made to reproduce with another human, you know. We have to have a wife or a spouse or a partner, and that's just the way we are. But as far as the mental toughness, I, I think a lot of people deal with uh, the anxiety of not having someone there. I. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a perfect human. <laughs> I do my fair share of cussing and drinking and, and who the heck knows what else still. And, but I, I'm, I, I do have a lot of faith in the higher power. And so yeah. when I'm out there by myself, I never really ever feel like I'm alone. Right. That's true. You know, a lot of people, uh, a, lot, a lot of people, and I can sense it, you know, and I get a lot of phone calls. Hey, Nate, let's go do this. Or, hey, Nate, let's go do that. And, I, and I'm and i fine with it. I like to socialize. As you guys can tell, I, I have no problem yakking someone's ear off, you know. But um, it, it can be it can be tough for some people to be out there by themselves, you know, or with just their hounds and whatnot. And, and, and I can understand that as well. For me, I never um, – I've never – when I'm by myself, I've never felt alone. I guess is so to speak. I, I don't have the same sensation. I think that a lot of guys do. Yeah. It, it's just an anxious point. It's just a point where, um, yes, sir. you yeah. can, it's easy to be, Oh, I'll, I'll wait until a buddy can go with me or, well, you know what I mean? Like uh -huh. there, there, there's, there's definitely times that even for me, like on a snowmobile, I've, I've been out by myself and man, when you start counting the miles away, how far you are, if something goes wrong. And I mean, mm -hmm. mentally it can be really tough, you know, in a truck, yeah. you know, road's not too bad, but when you start hiking to a tree by yourself, you know, and, and, and you think, man, you know, you get in a rough spot or whatever. And you're like, I break a leg here. I'm, there's some serious yeah. downside. That way of thinking is definitely something that I, you know, anybody that hunts by themselves struggles with it in that sense, you know, because, you are, especially when you're on a snow machine, good grave. Any of us that have ridden sled long enough know that that thing, it's not a matter of if it's going to break. It's a matter of right. what, you know. And for some people who don't take care of them like I do, it's, it's – Oh, buddy. I've ridden right. one once. Not, not that good. The yeah, one time we, I went, it did not break, so I think I should just quit now. <laughs> you put it in the shed and called it good. Mm -hmm. You're at 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, that is a um, – that is definitely you have to overcome. And, and it is it, – something that can make you nervous i i know i'm the same way you know the, the further today my gosh dang hand warmers went out on my sled so it was 
it, it was it wasn't very comfortable. That and I don't wear goggles, so it started snowing, and you know I'm got snowflakes hitting my eyes, and you know my hands are freezing, and I'm just thinking to myself, you know, if you break down, you're already cold, and you're starting to get wet, you know, and your clothes are starting to get wet, and then what are you gonna do? You left your backpack at the truck, you don't have a lighter. Those are all things that yeah we uh, that can be tough, but you know. What what is what what is the story if you don't survive the all story, that? By right. The normal story for me is you're like okay I'll head back and you're like and then all of a sudden you see and you see that track and you're exactly. like exactly dump the box here we go exactly you know what is that self what's that sense of accomplishment and I don't have nothing against guys that hunt in pairs because most guys do they hunt in pairs. There's a group of them, and it's recommended. I'm not going to say that it we is. highly recommend it for safety. <laughs> highly recommend. We're going to, you know, through the dummy. We, our lawyers advised us that you should always hunt in pairs. <laughs> yeah. This is what you should do when you don't. From somebody who, like, I hunt with my buddy Brandon quite a bit. Well, the other night I went out on my own, and I haven't fell down a mountain in a long time. <laughs> and I happened to do it twice on the same night. And when I called to tell him, hey, yeah, I went hunting up here what were you thinking? You are one brave son of a gun, you know? And it's, uh, <laughs> the safety thing is nice, but I'm with Nate, you know, there's something about that solitude, you know? Yeah. And it seems like if you can get on that level and like you say, you're never alone out there and it's just, it's a nice way to disconnect. And, you know, you don't hear about politics when you're out there. You don't hear exactly. about anything else except what's going on Amen. with you. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and then the cherry on top is if you do go out there, okay, and let's say you do find a two-day-old track or, or you're, you're running a tough track and you end up succeeding in your hunt by yourself with your hounds, just you versus the environment with your hounds and you're successful at the end of the day. I'm not saying a quick pop-up. I'm saying a good long cold trail. Yeah. Let's say you're running a bobcat. They finally have a jump. You think you're never going to get it caught. you got two hours of daylight. You're starting to get nervous because are you going to make it back to the truck when it starts? You're going to hike into a tree when it's dark and you're still 10 miles from the truck. How much gas do you have in the sled? All those things are running through your mind and you're starting to feel a little bit of anxiety built up. And all of a sudden you catch it, you push yourself, you go out there, you make it happen. When you get back to your truck, I mean, that, that sense of accomplishment is, in itself is, is, is what not, not, just, not just helps you in the world of hunting, but it helps you in the world of life. Like, I, 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 really, don't think, um, I really don't think that I would be in the position I am now um not just as far as hunting goes but as far as, as business you know finances um stability with my wife i don't think any of that would be possible if i didn't learn what i did hunting behind those dogs you know because you do learn a lot and when you come back for let's say you have some marital issues you know well there's a lot of guys that are like you know it's it's snowing outside and i'm not going to freaking turn my dogs loose because i can't you know nothing's going to cross in the snow well you look at that and there's those, those of us that go out there and we pound track and we see that two-day-old track covered in snow while it's snowing and we still give it a go, all right? <laughs> well, you know, that mentality with a lot of guys, in my opinion, is the same mentality that can make a lot of things uh, succeed, like business, marriages, relationships, you know, stuff like that. You know, you got one partner that's uh, wanting to get out of the relationship and you got the other one that's saying, hey, no, man, we, we need to make this work. We need to make this happen. You, you, don't, you don't give up. Same thing with business. You know, you got a business that's failing and you're like, am I going to freaking just file for bankruptcy? Am I just going to throw in the towel? Or am I going to keep chugging at it, keep chugging at it? And I think the hounds teach us that. Or at least in my world, they've taught me that. 
just like primal a determination. A lot of what I've learned in life has come from those hounds, and that just comes to show when I barely started learning about life. I think. Yeah. Um, I'm in a much better place now than I was before I was in the hounds. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. They they do show like a, a dedication. It's hard to explain to somebody else that there's a there's a certain amount of dedication and, and life dedication and effort. And then to watch, you know, I always, you know, everybody, people, you know, we're the old guys now. You used to be the young guys. You know what I mean? Like everybody looks at you like, now nah, you're the old guy. And I'm like, shit, I'm starting to get a little gray in the beard or whatever. But, but they always, well, what do you do to train a dog? And, and my answer, and I, I try not to be like uh, preachy or like, I know anything better than anybody, right. but I'm like, for me personally, it was always a matter of the dogs seem to put as much effort as I did. And so when you're talking about turning yeah. loose on an old track, you know what right. I mean? Like in the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have dogs that would cross the road. You know what I mean? They'd run wow. a hard track and they'd hit the road and they'd start looking for me on the road. I was like, Oh, we find dad on the road. And, and, and then it was certain. I was like, no, get back in there and cross the road. And then they start crossing the roads and little things like that, that it was like, it was my dedication that the dog started you know, exactly. showing me. And, and then I really seen these dogs that just absolutely pound a track because I would let them and I would uh -huh. stick with it and not give up and not just pull them and be like, Oh, let's go find an easy one. Exactly. And so it's like a, a pair, you know, it's like kind of a pack a, mentality. I mean, you're well, just yeah. a pack leader. Exactly. They're looking to you yeah. for guidance. Just, you know, and in the beginning I was, I was not, I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? It was just like, Oh yeah, they just scream out of here. And you, you watch somebody's dogs and it's like, Oh yeah, the dogs just take <laughs> off. And you know, you see somebody good and this is easy. And you're like, that's what they do. The dogs just do this. And it's like, no, they don't just do that. Most of the time, maybe you got a stubborn dog that you can't screw up. No, but there's a lot of dogs that feed off of how dedicated we are as, as houndsmen, I think. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's, and you, and you can see that with, with so many different houndsmen, you know, you have, you have, let's say you have a litter of 10 pups, you know, and then two pups go to five different hound hunters, you know, out of those five different hound hunters, maybe three pairs turned into something and the other four turned into nothing. And they're saying how bad the cross is. Well, was it really the cross that was bad or was it the person that tried turning those pups? Or was yeah, it those yeah. pups? Because they're, they're out there watching you. Are you dedicated? Are you committed? Are you giving them attention? Are you feeding them right? Are you taking care of them? Are you taking them out in the field a lot? You know, those dogs feed off of you and they see what makes you happy. And in return, if they see that catching your game makes you happy, if you have that kind of relationship with them, they give it 150%. And these guys that are out there and they trash and rather than, you know, the, the dog makes a mistake or makes a loss and rather than just let it be or whatnot, they can be a little too heavy handed with the dog or, you know, issues like that can come up and, and can really, uh, you know, can really beat the mentality out of a dog. I, I'm, I, I'm a firm believer in the, um, in the dad syndrome to where, you know, you, you can have a dog that's phenomenal and you can get every last ounce of um, uh, a hunt out of that dog. If you give him that opportunity, if you, if you raise them in a healthy environment, if you let kids be kids and I feel like pups should be pups, you know, I really don't start any of my dogs till they're almost a year old, sometimes a year old, you know, um, I let kids be kids and, and whatnot and let them grow up healthily and establish that relationship. But you also have those to where the dog has a lot, has a root, has that ability to go out there and let's say catch a mean bear or fight a hog on the ground or, or, or do whatever, but they're, but they're nervous and it's because they've been beaten or they've been, you know, mistreated or whatnot. And it's like, they, 
they have the ability to do that, but they refuse to because they're scared of their master, they're scared of their training, you know, and they're, they're scared of failure. And then it's all up to us to give them that. So yes, they do feed off of us very much though. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Like I said, I'm, and I've had to learn for me personally, cause I've, I was pretty impatient early on. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have the patience that I had now that I just like, yeah, that, that pup is going to screw up for a while and I don't care. Exactly. You know I mean, like it, let that pup screw up for a little bit because yes, she's going to learn. And then like one, a small example is like if a dog kind of slips off the road on something that's not supposed to for, you know, deer or something mm-hmm. like that for me, a coyote or deer, I normally make it a point that I am not at the road where that pup left. So right. if that pup slips off on me, I know it's not going very far. And if I got to tone it or whatever, but I'm like, mm. I get my, my truck around the next corner, next bend. So when that oh, pup yeah. comes back on the road, it's like, oh, crap, dad and the pack left. You know, they yeah. left me. <laughs> you know? And they come bombing us. And they just learn naturally. And I don't, I don't have to do any kind of negative. Re- you know, I mean, it's just something I've learned that I'm like, that was, yeah. you know, it was actually, I can't say I come up with that. You know, my buddy Don Gilbert is kind of the one that, that, that kind of told me about that mentality. It was a mm. natural re- recourse for that young pup. That pup doesn't, it wants to be with the pack. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and so it's a young kid or, you know, I, I don't recommend doing adolescent. I, yeah. I may or may not have done this to my kids in a grocery store. <laughs> you know what I mean? I might, they have the same pack, pack mentality, horrible. you know what I mean? Like, we can just say that, right? That's horrible. They start wandering off and you're like, are you lawyers? Uh, they okay <laughs> lawyers are not going to like this podcast. And people man. think that I'm horrible because I put TT15s on my kids to keep track of <laughs> That may or may not have, like, if my kids are goofing off in a store, you know, just kind of, what parent hasn't been like, well, I'm going to teach this kid lesson. You know, Lots the kid of them. Lots of them. Over and it's like, oh, and they just have that, mo- that old crap moment. You know, I'm watching them. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm not well, like leaving the store, but. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with lining the kid out. There's nothing illegal about it. And we all know that discipline is what lines out to you. So, yeah. <laughs> I've had, I've gone to the grocery store with five of my kids before the sixth one was born. And, had a lady there with one baby they're screaming and all five of them just standing behind me and the lady's like i'll trade you my one cry baby for those five and i says you give me that sucker i'll line them out too i don't care <laughs> it's not and it all goes once again like you're saying buddy it all goes back to uh you know how they feed off of you you're not taking care of your kids right well they're going to turn into trashy scoundrels too you know yeah, the way it is. yeah exactly. so, you know going going back to making those mistakes and whatnot you know lord knows we won't well i don't hope nobody thinks that i am you know someone that's never made mistakes through my training and my practices i i'll never forget that the best uh the best one of the best fair seasons i ever had was when i lost the transmitter to my uh to my um tritronics shock system you know and and how is that a coincidence you know not a single dog of mine had a freaking shock collar on them because i lost the transmitter and i didn't have the money to buy a new one but at the same time i caught more bears that year than i had for a long time and I think a lot of that reason has to do because I was, I was making a lot of mistakes. You're, you're too quick to, to change the rate, you're change, you're to jump in and instead of letting them finish exactly. it out. Exactly. That's interesting. Yes, sir. No. Lucky for me, I, uh, raising kids was a little easier for me than dogs because I, I screwed up some dogs. Man, I'd be, <laughs> I screwed up the first two kids and it's like, you can't just redo it, right? At least a dog's life is short enough. The first two. <laughs> that you can screw up the first couple dogs and be like, yeah, we screwed those oh. dogs up. 
but now we're better. You know what I mean? You have, you got a couple of dog generations, kids generations. They're, if you screw them up, you're kind of, you're stuck with it. That's why you got to be careful where you well, shop. You can't screw them up because they'll come back and sue you anymore. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A little more, there's a little more at stake. They start talking. They, yeah. It's a whole bunch more stuff where a dog just, you know, like, oh, I don't know what he's saying. He, he <laughs> wants to eat. We all know, like, those dogs know when they can push it and when they can't. Like, they know your limits just like your kids do. Well, it, of course. Exactly. We went into a, I'll just say, a sporting goods store the other day. And uh, the words that came out of my mouth were, I know what store we're in. And if you continue to act this way, we will have a come to Jesus meeting, bud. That was it. <laughs> and he knew darn good and well that when dad says we're shopping here and I know I can get away with it, we're done. And it was right, like, right, right. there. Change it. And those dogs are the same way when I think when you, when you spend that time with them, like you're talking about no shot call or no nothing. I can't remember the last time I had to shock a dog. Exactly. You know, other than like, you know, maybe barking out of place or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. in fear of screwing up a, a good race. Yeah. But when you can just work with them, it's, it's, I, I, and yeah, I, and I have, but once again, I, I say that the, the hounds have taught me a lot. And, and with that, saying that with uh, the hounds, knowing that sometimes I was a little over disciplinary, ended up ruining some really nice dogs, you know, I, I take that with me back home. And, and sometimes, you know, my son calls me up or says, yeah, it says I was at a party and, and the cops showed up. And then of course, you know, what's a parent's natural reaction to that is, but what the heck were you doing at the party and that of this? And then all of a sudden you start harping on them really good. Well, come to find rather than jump to conclusions, it's like, okay, so what were you doing there? Why were you there? Says, well, I was in the car with a friend and he said he wanted to stop by and say hi to a friend. I didn't know it was a party. And then you realize the truth. And I think that's how we, that's how at least I have passed on the things I've learned from running hounds to um, the real life for me. It's like there's. Get there's, the whole picture. Yeah. You get the whole picture and whatnot. And there's times where, I swear that I remember one of the first races I had when I had uh, when I uh, couldn't run my shot collars on, on my dogs and it was early in the season and generally early in bear season, you know, your dog is sitting in the kennel for a month. And I don't care if your dog's 12 years old, man, if he's sitting in the kennel for a month, you turn him loose, he's going to want to run something, you know, even whether it's what he wants to run or not, you know, it's just the way it is. And, you know, you, you expect a trash race. And I, I just, I just remember this race and I'm just looking at GPS and there were so many quibbling lines and scribbles and everything all over that screen. I'm like, I, I, I am like, my face is red and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. I am dropping every cuss word and there's not even anybody to listen to me. Just me. <laughs> Just me. You know, no stupid sons of biscuit eaters. And I, I've been known to talk to myself a lot. And if somebody would have been outside the truck, I swear they'd be on the floor laughing to this day. <laughs> Anyways, you know, all of a sudden they all started popping up treat in the same spot from this whole fiasco. And I walk up in there and there's gosh dang bear in the tree. You know, it's like, what the heck, you know? Right. <laughs> Guess I got to go back to school. If I had a shot collar on them, all six of them hounds would have been French fries. You, know? you would have been done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would have been done. And then that's how my bear season would have started. Yeah. But my hounds fried off of their first. And then how is the rest of the season going to go out? That's what Phil was hitting. Yeah. Well, and I wonder why you can't catch a bear. <laughs> exactly. <You> know, what? <laughs> I caught 30 bears with these guys last year. No, they don't even want to take out a trap. They're looking at me funny. I think their noses are broken. Well, no. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they're fine. I'm on anything just because they're not running a straight line and treating, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, it's like I said. I I think some the there's two parts of it. One is the dog. You got to have a good dog. You got to have the good dedication. I mean, there's there's a lot in the dog, 
but sometimes exactly. I think there's people who, who see too much in the dog and don't realize that there's yes, just sir. as much in the houndsman, you know, and, and learning Absolutely. to read dogs and, and let them have the opportunities that, you know, yep. easy to overlook, you know, you know the, the antis yeah, and whatever, they always paint it just, Oh, it's just about the dog, you know? And, and, and that's a saying, you know, it's all about the dog. And there's some, some, uh, truth there, but at the same time, it's like, man, there is, when you watch a really good houndsman and I don't claim to be a good houndsman, but when you watch somebody who's really good, it's amazing to watch how they work their dogs and, and right. And how their dogs respect them and stuff. And that's what I aspire to try to be um, because they've learned that patience and, you know, absolutely. It's, it's definitely a team effort, man. There, there's, there's no doubt. Some of us, you know, a lot of guys, you start catching, you know, you start catching some games and some guys try to pipe you up a little bit. And I don't like to be piped up. I, I just like to, I just like to do what I like to do. You know what I mean? And, and, and enjoy life and, and catch as much game as I can and, and come home to a wonderful wife and my kids and stuff. And, and a lot of guys are like, well, Nate, you, you know, you're, you're doing this and you're doing that great. Well, you know, it's not just me, it's the dogs. And I always try to put the spotlight on the dogs, but you're right, buddy. It, it is that relationship between the two you know you every team has got to have a coach i mean and, and that's just the bottom line, you know and, and and it's not uh it, it's not a coincidence that uh, great coaches have success yeah. yeah when you see a really good one it's it's you can you can actually just sit back and it's kind of neat to watch them absolutely you know and and, and they may not even know they're a good coach sometimes you know sometimes they um they may not even realize the fact that right they're just doing what they do. I mean, that's why they are the way they are, though. Exactly. It's natural. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's I, I got a perfect example. My good friend Jeff Jacobson. That guy is. Uh, I don't know. I, I, in my opinion, he's probably one of the best houndsmen out there. But you know, he'll hunt with other hound hunters that are good. But he always, he always like, you know, his hounds always excel. Mm-hmm. And he'll tell me, yeah, well, this dog and this dog ended up catching the game but you know so-and-so has such good dogs and i'm like yeah you don't understand what you don't understand where you are with your hounds you think i'm a solo hunter jeff is a gypsy that guy lives by himself you know he's single he has he has probably anywhere from 25 to 30 hounds and i can guarantee you any single one of those hounds that's over two years old can catch their own game he is a committed houndsman and matter of fact he's he was more my mentor when i when i first started you know being successful a lot of it had to do because of the advice i took from jeff and jeff was open as far as what uh he, he was very good with uh with how to explain someone how a relationship between a man and a hound works i guess so to speak. Mm-hmm. jeff is just an awesome houndsman and um and yeah he but he doesn't ever look at himself in the mirror and say, I'm a great hound hunter. You know, yeah. I, I, I haven't hunted with Jeff for so long because, you know, Jeff has so many dogs. It, it's, it's hard you know, because you have your pack and, and he has his pack. We talk and we will have what we call our mandates and we'll go out and we'll have breakfast and we'll end up talking for four or five hours and we'll have lunch at the same restaurant. We had breakfast at cause we were there for so long. And then, <laughs> and then we go watch a movie together. It's seriously a mandate. We, we have a lot of fun with, it. but, um, you know, sometimes you tell me these stories, and I'm like, you don't get it. Like, you don't understand how, what level you're at. Like, you, you, and, and he doesn't see himself that way. He just thinks he's just another hound guy, you know, and, and that's it. And I love when, I, when him and I hunted together, he would come with these dogs that had been sitting in the kennel for two years, and he'd work them and work them and work them and patiently work them and just 
tournament to these hounds that could catch game more than some of these guys that, you know, really brag a lot, you know, really think that they're on top of the world. And Jeff just comes in here with these hounds that he just knows how to work them. He knows how to train them. He knows how to establish that relationship and they turn into something phenomenal. You know, there are some, the benefits um, of, of working in a hound supply business is you kind of get it talk to people who normally I wouldn't get to talk to, you know, uh -huh. sometimes, and I don't get to talk to too many people because I'm not on the phones as much as I used to be, but um, you get to see those people who are really, um, they're not on social media as much, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they, they just don't post a lot. And so you would never know, but there are some really, really All high class guys. individuals Absolutely. that sit back that you would just never know because number one, they don't, want to be known and, and exactly. number two they just want to go out in the woods and, and play with their dogs and and so that's yeah, kind of them to them their world is encompassed by the hounds you know and it doesn't they don't need the gratitude or, or the attention from other people i mean I, I like to play on the facebook i like to play on the instagram that's just i, I love it i mean <laughs> i got friends and family all across the country and everyone's asking me questions i just picture on facebook and it takes care of everybody <laughs> I don't know how you go. Well, look at the Facebook. I, I you know, I, I don't want to talk to everybody. Freeze up more hunting time. Like, Jeff, Jeff is one of those guys. Like he seriously, you know, he is just one of those guys that you can come into his kennels and anything over two, guaranteed. Just pick out two or three dogs, go out there, turn them loose on a track, and it'll catch for you. You know, he yeah. is a very, very talented individual when it comes to hounds doesn't talk to too many people. I don't talk to him much during the season because he's hunting almost every day, if not every day. And it doesn't matter if it's blizzarding, if it's sunny, if there's snow, if there's no snow, heck, if there's no snow outside, he'll go out there and he'll free cast on these canyons. You know, he, he'll, he's probably one of the few guys that's just as committed to dry ground lion hunting in Idaho than, than anybody that I know out here because he, to him, it's all about the hunt, you know? And he's like, well, you know, if we lived in Nevada, we'd never have to worry about snow. And then he's like, you're absolutely right, Jeff. You're absolutely right. He goes, so why am I going to stop hunting? Because there's no snow on the ground. Yeah. Well, everybody else is at home. Matter of fact, I have less competition. I'm the only guy going up and down these canyons with a truck full of dogs out here. You know, he's just, the guy makes it happen. And, and he never, you know, the few guys that know him know his ability and know, um, know what, uh, who he really is. But other than that, you know, he's just kind of, He's kind of off in his corner, off in his own world, living his good life, you know. Yeah. He's a trucker, belly dump trucker, and he'll 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 ride that belly dump three, four months out of the year, and he'll save enough money in that son of a biscuit eater. See you later. Damn freaking ham sandwich with wheat bread every day of his life. He <laughs> 90 pounds. He's got the sexiest mullet on until he takes his cap off, and he's just the shiniest shiny can be on top, you know. It's called the skullet. Oh man, he's going to the bone, you know, and, but he's just always smiling and you can tell when he's, you can tell that it's his world because when you do run into him, you might as well call it a day because you talk for hours because he hasn't talked to anybody for so long. And, and I don't mind because Jeff and I's conversation have always been good. Granted, Jeff's isolation has conceived a few conspiracy theories that I don't understand, <laughs> but you know, we'll just say that. I'm not putting any tinfoil on my head right now. So. <laughs>
We get along just fine. I can tell you that right now, man. Judgment free zone. Yeah, other than that, it's all great, you know. Oh man, today's I don't even know. I don't know what we're allowed to say anymore. <laughs> if we're gonna get kicked off. We're gonna get canceled. Like, we don't have sponsors. We own this. <laughs> That's really why you know, why we booked you late, Nate, was because you had last name Lopez, and we were hoping that was gonna save us. <laughs> you okay. You're to get the minority in with your right, job. right. I just the Latin assassin. When they said Latin, I was like, okay, we gotta get that guy on. We gotta have some diversity. We got diversify our, our portfolio. <laughs> so after yeah. this, your lawyer's going to call you up and they're going to say, no more Mexicans. No <laughs> exactly. more Mexicans. That didn't work out so well for us. <laughs> we just got thrown with three lawsuits here. So um. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. Any- I-, I stopped. I had to stop watching things because I was just getting so mad. I mean, every the, the world's just gone crazy. I mean, I've just, it's something. It point. is, man. It's, it, you know what, you know what the, you know what the funny thing is, is, and this is just my opinion. Once again, I hope nobody takes me for what I say is gold, but <clears throat> and it's my opinion that the world's always been twisted. Yeah. I mean, we can, and I'm not, how do I say this? I'm not trying to preach here guys, but I know that we're running with some really tough stuff. I mean, we're really dealing with some drama right now, but were we around when there was freaking 12 plagues? I mean, were we really around when, you know, there was a king out there massacring every gosh thing, firstborn child, just to get to one person. I mean, right. was that the truth? Or when you were actually caught for doing something illegal, were you crucified there for everyone to watch it practically bleed to death? No. I mean, that, it was always been right. bad. The world that you make is how you make it, you know, and that's all there is to it. I mean, we can, the only problem with that's going on now is we've got social media and we have the news. And everything out there spilling all this negativity about how the world is just so horrible, you know, all these things are going on and all these things are wrong. And, you know, it's like, what, is it really that much worse than it was in the past? I I don't think so. I think there's always, I think there's always been bad going on. Heck for Pete's sakes, freaking the, it started with the first two humans. I mean, here you have two people, the hottest guy in the world and the hottest woman in the world bouncing around naked in the, in the garden, <laughs> and they had one tree not to eat off of. One what do they do? <laughs> one what tree. do they do? They screwed up. I mean, we've been screwing up forever since the yep. beginning of time when there was only two humans, and then shortly after you had Cain and Abel, and one murder, one brother killed the other brother. You know, exactly. That's, you go, you keep going. You have think about David and Goliath, and I mean, and we're talking history. I'm not trying to preach here. Like, I'm not trying to get on my soapbox, but as far as humans are possibly recorded let's just say which is the bible you know and you have david and bathsheba you know david is the guy that killed goliath and he had this smoking hot woman named bathsheba but guess what she was married so what does he do he puts her husband, the husband. Her <laughs> and make sure he gets killed so he can hook up with the lady yep. I mean, there's all sorts of twisted stuff i mean when there was there was a freaking story in the old testament where this one tribe was trying to teach another tribe a lesson so they got one of their hookers chopped off her head her arms her legs freaking spit up her torso and sent it to all the other tribes to teach him a lesson not to mess with them ah, i mean are we doing that here violent history it's a little rough it's not covid though it's still not covid it's not right. covid yeah <laughs> okay no, it's not COVID according to news, you know, according to CNN. Right. You live in Idaho. I've been in Idaho during COVID, Nate, and you guys are not taking it serious enough, okay? <laughs> no, we're not, but I got buddies <laughs> in California that, that they walk in the restaurant without a mask on, and they tell them they got to wear a mask, and they walk out, and 
my buddy Kobe Rob over there. Oh my gosh, he's so funny. He's like, I just, I just walk in the restaurant and they let me sit down and eat their food and they make me wear a mask. I just walk out. I'm like, well, how many restaurants have you walked into? Everyone that's kicked me out. And I'm like, well, how many <laughs> kicked you out? Not one. I mean, there's not one that's let me in yet. I'm like, well, yeah. You know, why don't you just slap on the gosh dang mask? You know, it is what uh, it is. Yeah, no, I've, I've done that. There's times that, you know, I, I don't know where I was. It was somewhere. Yeah, I was I, going to take a snowmobile up by myself in this one gas station in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I was going to get some bungees to bungee down my backpack on my snowmobile. You know what I mean? It was just nothing. And I was like, I hopped out, went in, and she's like, you need a mask. Yeah. I just hopped back in the truck. <laughs> I go around with that, my backpack strapped onto my snowmobile all day because I was like, the hell with that. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. There's nobody else in here. Two customers Sometimes today. I'll wear it. But, man, that day I was yeah. not. Uh, I, I view things differently. You know, I, I – yeah, we don't take – I don't ever wear a mask. You know, I – I don't, uh, but I do keep my distance from people. And I don't really talk to too many people face to face. So I guess I'm not really much of a threat if I did have the virus, you know, but you know, if I go to a restaurant and they tell me to wear a mask, this is the way I look at it. Is it a public restaurant? Are my taxpayer dollars paying for that restaurant? No. Is it privately owned? Yes. Is it somebody's private property? Yes. Is it their business? Yes. So guess what? If they tell me I got to wear a mask so in order for me to eat at their establishment, well, then I'm going to respect it, you know, just like, just like we should respect the business owner who wants to hire somebody or not hire somebody. If a business owner comes up to me and says, yeah, I, I, I have better luck on the sales floor hiring white people than I do Mexicans, let's say. Okay, well, then that's your choice. I don't give a shit, you know. That's <laughs> you I love that. Of, if you got a pair of pants that's on sale, I'm still going to buy you're the you're fired, by the way. I'm <laughs> fired, yeah. Your yeah, employer needs to tell you, I, you, you're no longer employed with me for that laugh. You laughed at the wrong time. You should have kept a straight face, Jason. I can't keep a straight face because that's freaking hilarious. Oh, man. This is the last that's time. That's your simple cast reel right there. Just that now, section. Lopez. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. You know, Biden passed the mandate saying that we got to wear a mask on on forest, on the uh, on, uh, federal grounds. Federal which includes National Forest and BLM grounds. No. You know why? Because I may be a minimal shareholder. But I am a partial shareholder on that ground. I pay my tax, okay? And so do you, and so does everybody else that goes in there. So for you to tell me what I can do in the piece of property that I am a partial owner, and I don't care if I only own one ten millionth of it, I'm still a partial owner. You've got another thing coming. And I will step in and out of those grounds however the hell I'd like. Thank you. That sounds like a... a half texan half idaho kind of you know like your your diverse background of texas idaho yep. is coming out in you nate oh, i think you, that's a little bit you of you see me when i get mad my wife laughs when i get mad because she says you don't ever sound like a mexican till you get mad and once you get mad <laughs> your accent starts kicking in you know and i'm like are you serious She's like yeah you get pissed and you sound like a total mexican <laughs> well she calls them she calls them mexican she's from tennessee so okay i enunciate it Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Look, my grandpa always said he, he pays for taxes on both sides of the road. He's going to use whichever side he wants whenever he wants <laughs> <Right>? to. <laughs> huh. um, no, but that's, I, I 100% agree with you on this stuff. Like yeah. we went to, uh, so my boy wanted to go to the Great Wolf Lodge. It's like a water park, you know. Okay. A, An awesome and it was water like, park. Yeah, especially because it's like COVID does not exist in that water park. <laughs> Once you go in the water park, and I don't know kills it. I don't, I don't know, but it was like. <laughs> You were just, but it was so weird, like just sitting there and watching people have fun. Like that was the the 
the most alarming part for this whole thing for me is right because i don't ever want to get used to watching my kid wear a mask like i just i don't Absolutely like it they got to wear it to go to school and i'm like this is bs i i know it's not and, and like i'm like if it's not safe enough to go to school without a mask then don't go to school like exactly you know what i mean it's not a matter of this this mask makes it safe right no it doesn't really we're we're, we're kind of in this bs um right make us feel good that we're controlling something that we can't control it's like you no know, i don't think we can control the virus i just i just don't believe it we're gonna get no, it or we're not gonna get it wants to call she's gonna call that's, exactly. that's, that's why i believe it that's how i believe it you're right and so i'm like man if 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 this thing is, if it's got me on the, the books to, to catch it, I don't think a little mask is going to stop it. So I either got to decide it's either a real deal and right. I should stick my ass at home or, or you mm -hmm. know, not go out and, and, and then call me a prepper or whatever. You know what I mean? I'll get my, my food rations <laughs> yeah. and, and, or yeah. it's like, yeah, this is, this is what we got to deal with. These are the cards we got. And, and, you know, you get it, you're not going to die or whatever it is. I, I, mean, I don't want to tell anybody what they got to do, but I know for me, I just don't want to get used to seeing my kids. And, and I, that's the scariest part for me. The whole thing is, is if it really takes over to where it's like, when does it stop? When is it like, okay, everybody go back to normal. I don't know if that happens or not. That's the part that scares me the most. Well, or if it's ever going to happen. And I, and I think the problem with, with humans these days is that we lost something that's very, very important to all humans getting along. And that is, just one simple line that has disappeared through conversation over years, and that is the ability to agree to disagree. Okay. Yeah. And what happens is, you know, you have the far left that is totally against the mask and, and, you know, they don't want to wear the mask. And if you do wear a mask then you're, you're, you're a freaking hypochondriac and you're a pile of garbage and they're very condescending. And then you have the far right that calls the far left, they're very inconsiderate and they call us murderers because we don't want to wear the mask. And, it's either you have to pick one side or the other and nobody can get along and say, you choose to wear your mask and I choose not to wear my mask, but we can still get along. And that's yeah. the problem with society these days. I think if anything has happened with the uh, humans and over the course of history, it's just that fact. And then it doesn't just go with the virus, but as we all know, that goes along well with our, with our um, sport, you know, yeah. we, we have animal rights activists anymore that are telling us, you know, you guys are animals and, and, and they call us everything under the book. And, and, and in the same sense, you know, we get angry and, and we can be uh, um, derogatory as well and, and be condescending and call them tree huggers. And, and we can call them, you know, derogatory names when our reality, they're husbands and wives too, that have a family to raise and they have jobs. And we just don't, it's like, if you don't see our views, then screw you. And they're the same way. If you don't agree with our views and same thing with the pandemic, same thing with the virus. It's like, we, we nobody wants to, you pick a side. That's what everyone's saying. Pick a side. You know? Yeah, and that's the the scary part. I think is it is it's like doubling down, and whether it's it's always it's been pot there. committed. It, it's like everybody is pot committed, and exactly. this kind of conversation. I mean, like this is what we're lacking in America right now. Right. I guarantee you, Nate, if I disagreed with you, we could have a conversation. I guarantee it all day long. The mutual of course, respect. You know. Hey, hey guys, my, my, anybody listening out there, I, my sister is a lesbian and she's married. Okay. I went to her wedding and, and I'm proud to have her as my sister. You know, if someone has a problem with it, then you guys can suck fly for all I care. You know, that's just the way it is. I, I like the way you cuss. It's like a little, it's like a, it's like a kid cussing. Nate. Yeah. Well, I'm trying my best because I, know <laughs> I like it. I've got certain ground rules and you, and you're lawyered up. So, 
she gets really used to beeping me or the regular be like, oh, <laughs> with Nate, it's like, no, don't worry about the beep. You're good. We're Sounds good. We're cool. No, that's the thing is, is that she knows I don't agree with her lifestyle, but she still yeah. comes over for Christmas and we still love each other. And we get into some heated political freaking arguments. But at the end of the day, we still love each other. You know, right. we, we all, we, she tries to press her issues. I try to press mine. And, you know, the thing is, is people get upset with me. Like, why do you even talk to her? Well, she's my gosh dang family. It's your sister. And second of all, you know, that's how we should be. It doesn't matter if she's my sister or not. You know, if there's a guy, if there's two guys out there that are holding hands and they come up and ask me, say, hey, you mind if we tag along and see them hounds work? You know what my mind thinks? My mind doesn't think there's going to be three guys holding hands to the tree. Unless <laughs> it's Cody. I'm glad you came up with that because I thought we said, there's two guys holding hands. They come up to me and ask if I want to hold hands. That's what I thought you were going with that. I'm glad you're like, brought the dog. nice save. <laughs> If no, he's got I, Cody and I, Phil I there, you're gonna skip three guys was, holding hands, skip into the bear tree by Nate Lopez. I think to myself, here's one person that I can try to, to freaking help understand our sport. Not one person that may be anti, you know. Yeah. Okay, you want to know about it? Let's go. I'll show you. Yeah. Hop in the truck, you know. Let's go in the bear tree. These are my hounds. I've grown, I raised them from the ground up. You guys can tell them, you know. And that's that's the way it is. But what happens is people they're 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 polarized in either one side or the other. And and that, that's why, that's why hound hunting is gaining less and less and less and less popularity. And that's why hunting is gaining less and less and less and less popularity because we're not making an effort out there to try to educate people. We're just getting mad at those who oppose us. You know, like the recruitment has kind of taken a back seat. And I, oh, in recruitment, definitely. Recruitment is definitely taking a back seat for sure. Some of the best conversations I've had um, have been with with people who don't, I, I are not I, ideologically with me, you know, on the left or whatever, you know, my, right. my wife's sisters, you know, more liberal or whatever. Uh-huh. But the key is, is honesty. You know what I mean? Can, Absolutely. can I be honest with, with whenever she calls something to the carpet that I don't like, uh-huh. I have to be honest to go, man, I, that's not fair. Um, you know, some of my positions has not always been, exactly and fair I'm, i may you know like i get mad and they, you know call somebody a tree hugger or whatever it's like yeah that's not fair of me to do to just i don't like it when somebody puts me in the same bucket and, and just just chalks me up to being a crazy yep. you know conspiracy yep. where right when most of the time i am i mean i'm not you know what i mean i gotta be honest with myself most of the time that's the bucket i belong in you know what i mean i, I got a special name for my call them gorpers i mean it's it, it is what it is but you know, I I call them that. But if they come up to me and talk to me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be negative. You know? I'll make yeah. it as positive an experience as possible. Yeah, but having some of those conversations, like it was your sister, I just imagine for the progress and what missing in a lot of it is the honesty. You know, I mean, whenever exactly. somebody fully believes, you know, you, you take the Trump issue or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they're fully committed into some lies, and there's some lies that we believe that aren't. In truth, you know what I mean? We have to be able to, and I don't remember, there was one time I seen something on, on Facebook and it was, it was just spinning something so bad that I was like, you know what? I don't like that person, but right. we, we can't just spin it into a lie because we, because we don't like them. We got to be, and, and you got to be honest. You know what I mean? Well, and that's the big to, thing. Exactly. And that's the, and, and that's another issue is you can't have conversations with people that are, that are, you know, against your views and stuff like that. But there is a growing number of people out there that are the what we call, you know, the politically correct or 
the offensive. I'm, I'm always offended. Or don't say that that offends me. The woke. You know, <laughs> not saying that politically, you know, the, the way you should be, you know. And and <clears throat> I I talk to my sister, you know, this, my same sister that uh, um, that's gay, and I tell her, says, yeah, man, I saw a couple of uh, Chinese people, you know, they're talking to look like it was a couple of Japs. I don't know what the heck they were. And she's like, Nathan, they're not Japs. They're Asians. And I'm like, all right, Asians, Japs, whatever. I can call them whatever the hell I want. I don't care. Well, what if they get offended? Well, you know what? This is the way I see it. You know, I was taught one rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Okay. So I say that, and that is exactly why I don't get upset when Phil says the things he does. Okay. (laughs) Phil can throw, Phil can say whatever he wants. And Phil, like I said, he, he hit me up and he's like, I apologize. Maybe I was a little too rough. And I was like, absolutely not. Because I am the same way to other people. And why should I be able to think that it's okay for me to give other people grief and they can't do the same? You know, yeah. but we're losing that. I mean, we're definitely are. Even among sporter, even among sportsmen, I've never amongst our niche right here. You know what I mean? I've never. I what do you know? You read so many articles from these guys, and I'm a hunter and I'm a deer hunter, but I would never chase a mountain lion up a tree and just shoot it while it was defense. Defense. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You know, like yeah. Are you serious? Are you that close minded? Are you really an outdoorsman? Because if you say you're an outdoorsman, then you're being kind of ironic with that statement there, you know, because how can you say that you would never do that? You're, you're, you're sympathizing with the animal is, is what you're doing. You're humanizing the animal like it's a like human. And a lot of people do that with dogs as well. You know, you, you're, we're mistreating our dogs. They're hunting too hard or they're too skinny or that or this or that or that. You know, every time somebody you know, I, I hunt in Teton Valley a lot, which is just the backside of Jackson Hole, which is getting very liberal. And I have people pick up my dogs. And they tell me, my, gosh, your dogs are just too skinny, don't you think? And I look at them like, my dogs run long distances. You ever watch ESPN, a marathon? I've never seen a single marathon runner not show ribs or hips. Bones. Right. Not one. right. Every single marathon runner out there pops their hips and their bones are, and their ribs are showing. It's the same way with hounds. You know, I, I mean, I can't, I can't run as fast as my dogs. I'm a chubby fella. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to keep up with that? No, no, I can't keep up with those marathon guys unless I had a freaking go-kart maybe, you know. And even at that, I'd probably run out of gas. And if I was two miles ahead of everybody, they'd still catch up to me. So, well, I think in these times, you know, I use this word in its proper context of ignorance. We're, we're breeding ignorance exactly. because people are so polarized. Exactly. They can't be educated and you know, they've just had this rhetoric drilled into their head and let other people mm-hmm. make their decision where if they would just open their eyes and have conversation again, we'd be in a... Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's another word. That's another word that, that, that we're losing track of. And that word is empathy. You know, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't choose to put ourselves in other people's shoes anymore. What happens is we watch Hollywood and we watch TV. We watch certain news media stations. We watch certain programs. And that, that in turn constructs our mindset and so if we watch the cartoon bambi when we we're little and the freaking hunter shoots bambi's dad and kills him you know automatically we're already starting off at a young point is thinking that hunting is bad you know and our brains are there because of what we observed as uh, as a youth and then so when we go up there and we see somebody like you guys up at the store with a box full of hounds and your camouflage on they automatically see bambi and the that freaking just horrible guy that goes out there and kills it when little do they know that Bambi's dad wouldn't be alive right now because if it weren't for the money that we contribute by buying our licenses, our tags, paying our fees, everything, you know, 
and make sure that there's proper management with those animals. You know? And the thing is, is, like you said, you you said it right on. People are ignorant, and what people don't understand is people think that the word ignorant is a bad word, and ignorant just it's means not. lack of information. It's you're uninformed. Is all it is. You know. And it's intentionally driven. I mean, even in Bambi, the original writing, it was poachers. You know, exactly. And yet they portray it as hunters and create that. You know. Yep. And, and that's that narrative. And that all goes back to that person that you know that. So when somebody starts attacking me and telling me that I'm a horrible guy, so do I need to turn around and tell them, you know, that no. you're just a freaking worthless tree hugger? How is that going to do any good? Because they it makes, it makes me feel better. Watch the fox and the hound. They're the ones that watch these movies that 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 construct that mind setting. So in yeah. return, I'm the one that's got to be say, well, look, man, it's not what you think. You know, it's not as bad. You're, more you're held to a higher standard. Oh, like we're at a higher standard. And we should be. Every single hound hunter should be. And if I'm with a hound hunter and he's out there getting all cocky about how he freaking slapped some some guy around because he was talking trash or whatnot, I I don't agree with that. Those are the things I did when I was in my teenage years. Yeah. Okay, so when I look at that, I, I've, I've had guys come up and, and, and literally – freaking want to get into a physical altercation with me over stupid stuff and i look at them and i automatically think man i'm in my late 30s at the time and you want me to go back to a mind frame of when i was in high school right i'm not in high school anymore so i'm past that i'm not in high school i don't want to beat you up i don't want to go to jail because i don't like to lose all right and (laughs) i don't want to do something horrible i don't i don't want to do any of that stuff anymore so please let's just talk about this you know and and people People can't do that. It's we have to. It's like we it understand that they have to take the higher road. If it means swallowing your pride, if it means holding your tongue back, if it means anything, if you really want to make a difference out there, we need to educate and we need to talk to these people. We need to let them understand that we're 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 doctors, we're lawyers, we're contractors, we're salesmen, we're construction workers, we're 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 people just like them. We're not these horrible monsters that that the the age. I've, I've sat in some meetings and you know in some you know stakeholder meetings and stuff like that in, uh-huh. in the last year or so and and sitting with with antis you know what i mean I, you know yeah activists and legit right legit activists and they are just brainwashed professionals yeah <laughs> and they're professional at it and they they i mean per their words they're like we've never we've never met hunters like you guys and it's like well that's who we all are. You, you, you've exactly. only met the propaganda. You know what I mean? If exactly. you just, if exactly. you just see the propaganda, it's like, yeah, you've never met. Like we are professionals. We do love the dogs. We're exactly. not out there just a bunch of killers. And so that was an aha moment that it's like, you know, if we all just stay in our bubbles and, and poke fun of the other bubble, it, we're not, we're not learning anything. You know what I mean? Cause exactly. some of those people, we had it was in Oregon one time, and and uh, she's like, "Oh, I just you know I just love bobcats." And I'm like, "Well, I tell you what, ma'am, if you love bobcats that much, you would you would sit just fine in my pickup truck because I don't shoot too many right. of them, and you right. would take more pictures of any bobcat than than anybody exactly. else, and you would just no. sit there and look at that tree and just you know I love appreciate the dog, it. so I, I appreciate the dog. I love the the bobcat too. I love the cat. I like to watch it." So I get two things I really enjoy out of that tree. You may right. only get one. Maybe you don't enjoy the dogs, all the work the dogs do. Right. But you, I, I said, ma'am, you would sit underneath that bobcat tree and just watch that bobcat with binos, and it would be the best day that you've had. You know what I mean? Rather than looking in a magazine. 
I yep. said, you're, you're pinning me down to wanting, you know, that I just got to go shoot everyone. I'm like, I don't, I don't have to shoot them. I enjoy mm. the, uh, the opportunity. And that was just one of those moments that I was like, people just get in their bubbles and they have a expectation yeah. of something. And it's like, you're, you're misjudging me. Like well, I we do it too. Most people would, would be just fine sitting in our pickup truck yeah. and have a good and, time. And we do the same, you know, we are just as guilty. I mean, it's the truth. We amongst just, houndsmen. But amongst, yeah, we do that even amongst houndsmen, you know, yeah. with each other and, and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, you know, um, Jason said it, you know, we have to, we have to put ourselves at a higher standard. We don't have a choice. We, we have to be the better person. There was a time where someone pissed us off and yeah, we could sock them one and call it good, you know, but even when I was young, to be honest with you, when I was young and we would get, me and my buds would get into fights or, or, or there, it, there was a scrap or whatnot, half the times when it was over, and we're kicking back drinking a beer at the end of the scrap, you know, because it was, we got to shake our hands. Like, what was it that we're fighting over? Oh, that's right. I was flirting with your girlfriend. My fault. You know, I don't know what I'm <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, I'm going to break up. <laughs> oh, yeah. My bad. My bad. And I have that one coming. Of course, nowadays, it's not like that. You know, you can't, you can't know things that way. And it's, and it's you know, it's uh, immature. I mean, it, it really is. It's not, uh, there's sometimes when you do have to defend yourself physically, if there's an intruder, I got no problem putting a bullet in somebody's head. Hands down. And if they want to threaten my family, that's a whole different side of me that somebody doesn't want to see, you know. But if it comes to you know, my views and my opinions and, and, and my hounds and whatnot, I don't care if a person's going to call me every gosh dang trash word in the book. I'm still going to sit down and talk to them in a calm voice and try to explain to them who I am, you know. It's just, we, we have to do that because in the end, they may, they may freaking, and I, I had it happen to me once when we had a lion track going the driveway. My father was even with me. I went over and asked the lady permission if I could go over there and, and uh, turn the dogs loose. And she was not happy that I even knocked on her door. You know? And she was looking at me and dad like, get the hell off my property. And I don't want to see you gosh dang killers over here trying to kill. I don't have a problem with cougars. And, you know, you guys even feed your dogs. And I mean, saying all sorts of stuff. And I was like, hey, man, I understand. This is your property and we can respect it. Okay, and that's fine. She goes into her house to grab her purse and walks out. Her car's running. She locked her keys in her car. So I'm walking down and she's like, oh, dang it, gosh, dang it. And I, dad looks at me and he's like, I think something's going on with her. And I look over and I'm well, what's the matter? And she's like, I locked my keys in the car. Said, well, guess what? I'm a Mexican. I can break into those fucking For <laughs> <laughs> a freaking co-hanger and a screwdriver, freaking pried that door open and pop that sucker on. And guess what? She was like, gosh, I, I'm so sorry for the way I behaved. I don't even know what got over me. You know, I, I don't even know. What, and it's only happened to once. That's powerful. <laughs> it's just one time. This is one time being, this is being a, a Mexican pulled out. 16, 17 years. Spent, but trust me, sometimes all you got to change is one person's mind. And I'm a firm believer in the ripple effect. I'm a yep. firm believer in the ripple effect. You change one, it affects another. And it affects another. Yep. Don't you even know it. And, you know, we, we turned loose and, and we ended up catching just, you know, so, I think it was like a 60 pound female. It was nothing that was a big deal. But in the end, you know, dad's like, you know, if you never would have broke into her car, you would never got to run that cat. I'm like, well, you know, it's, that's, that's how it goes. We got to be nice. And my dad is a minister, but he's full-blown Mexican. And he is a man that he, he is a prideful person. And if, if you make him upset, my gosh, you know, you just turn him around and you kind of get him back towards inside the vehicle. You know, that's just the way he is. He's, he's a very prideful man. You know, so, but you did that out of 
Oh, that's funny. Well, I know Jason's got to be getting out of here at two thirty. We've kept you for a while. Oh, no worries. We we have you got? I trust you, kind of. We've already bridged the gap of stuff. Like this is this is a really good episode. <laughs> lock my doors around you. I guess I don't need to lock the doors. No matter, you can get in anyway. <laughs> We'd like to welcome everybody to our last podcast after the show is down. Exactly. <laughs> well, it was a good run while we had it, but then, then Lopez came in and no, screwed it all up. I can only go so far with this ankle bracelet on, guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to give us a, a good, not that you haven't already, but we need a train wreck story, man. Well, I had a request train wreck story you have a request Uh, yeah i wanted somebody told me that i should ask about this hunting trip over in uh i don't know if i can say the place it's in idaho and it was with your buddy that you ended up having to drink out of streams and it was a pretty gnarly hike does that ring a bell at all the town Uh, starts with a c and it's pretty well known area Oh gosh! Well, I'm trying to think, man. You're talking over in Council is where you guys are talking. Everybody hunts out there. Yeah, I just uh, don't want to say that when it's not my spot. It's a really good hunting spot. <laughs> it's I'm great. Trying to think of, I'm trying to think of. Uh, you know, we, we've had a lot of train wrecks over in Council, uh, and I'm trying to think of one. I, I I can drink water out of any stream, so it's to say <laughs> that's I day drink to day. water out of the stream. It's 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 uh. It's, it's every. A, um, then you go with one of yours then. Uh, I'll tell you a, a train wreck story. Guys, gosh, almighty, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a oh gosh of a <laughs> well I, I would That's but it. I need to find right there. a lot tougher than I am and I'd probably get my ass beat. But <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget uh, <laughs> I was hunting with the Butte boys over at Sealy Lake, Montana. One of one of their buddies ended up drawing a uh Sealy Lake tag over there. Beautiful country. I mean, if you've ever driven through Sealy Lake or Swan Lake or that country up north of Missoula is just absolutely beautiful. We would go over there. We go to the bar and we just—I mean, we we put the hand. I, mean, I don't think there was a bar with Pendleton left. By the time we were done, it was me, Donnie Davis, who was also a really, really good friend of mine. Um, Brad and Bobby Smith, Jason Brown, Jason Denias is the one who had the tag. Um, oh, and then John Dunn was there as well. Anyways, it was a good group of us, man, and uh, we were at the bar, and we just got, like, I mean, just, um, long story short, we're, we we close the place out, and these guys are tougher than nails. You got to understand, Butte boys are, they're, they're made, they're tougher than most Mexicans I know for some reason, and I think it's, they still got a lot of German and Irish in them because they work at that copper mine. Yeah. We're yeah. over. We, we go over to the hotel room and they're talking, it's two o'clock in the morning and they're talking about, so we'll sleep for an hour and we'll go start looking for tracks at three. And I'm looking at them cross-eyed because I see four of everybody out there. And I look, <laughs> drive right now. And I thought, we'll be fine. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to get up at three o'clock in the morning. You guys go on without me. I'm like, no, not only that, but I don't think you guys are going to get up. Sure as heck. I go to sleep. I wake up and these guys are shaking me like vigorously. Hey, Nate, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, no, I, I ain't going nowhere. Absolutely. <laughs> Too drunk to taste I, I fellow, I was I was sauced up, boys, let me tell you. And long story short, they took off and I went over, got up like at seven, went to the gas station, got like four cups of coffee, you know, back to back, and freaking had some I think some jerky or something. And 
don't go start checking canyons while I check the canyon. That they, I was checking behind them just to make sure they didn't miss anything. Went over this canyon and here's this monster tom. I mean, coming mean, just big, big. You can fit a quarter in his toes. And I'm just like, well, geez, man, they ran over this track, you know, and go over there and turn the dogs loose and ran and went down into the valley. It was a nice race. They co-trailed it for about, I don't know, two or three miles, jumped it, and ended up crossing the road only about half a mile from my pickup. It was down in the valley hunt probably before I started going back uphill. And I went over, took some cool pictures of it and everything, and loaded the dogs up and went back. Well, I hit the highway, and I ran into these guys, and they're all coming back, and they're all laughing. You know, they see old Nader out there on freaking – just barely getting out of bed is what they thought, you know, and they stopped and I go over there and talk. There's like three or four outfits and they all get out of the trucks and we start BSing. And I was like, how'd it go? Like, yeah, we caught a couple of females. Um, how'd you do? You know, and you just get out of bed. I'm like, yeah, I got out of bed a couple hours ago. But I ended up catching this Tom. And they're like, holy smokes, you didn't catch that Tom. I'm like, yeah, I sure shit did. So we go over there. Okay. And look, guys, before you guys start getting offended, you sissies, I have one of every breed in my kennel which means I can make fun of all breeds. All these guys were walker guys, all right? All of them were walker guys. So we go over there, and I show them where I walked into the tree. Immediately, the glory holes start collaring up their dogs, and they turn them loose before I even had a chance. Well, they go over there, and they trail past this tree, and they keep going. My dogs eventually trail behind them. Well, all of a sudden, they start showing trees, right? Well, we hike about a mile into this gosh dang tree, my dogs are kind of making loops and they don't know what the heck's going on. We walk in there and there's about half a dozen freaking tree and walkers treeing their guts out on the most emptiest tree you've ever seen. <laughs> you could have been a hole. Come on, you got to be some excuses. There is like, I mean, there, there might have been a pine cone that looked like a paw. I don't know what the heck out there, you know. So, of course, they start getting their dogs together and we start going and they trail off again and sure as heck, we go up there and they tree again. And then at my two, Crook and Al, they kept going, and my buddy John McLaren had a really nice dog named Solo, and Solo was a phenomenal walker, probably one of the best walker dogs I ever owned. And uh, they kept going down the canyon. Well, I'm telling these other guys, like, well, man, these, uh, you got three dogs, they're still going. Like, no, nah, they got the cat. We walk up there, and sure as heck, there he is, freaking slip tree number two. We go over there, and I'm just laughing my butt off. And it's good. We got an hour before daylight, you know? Long story short, they ended up catching this cat right before dark. I got my video camera. I want to take a video. They didn't shoot it before I even get to the gosh dang tree. But I got a picture taken with the cat, and then it was on. And that was about a shit show of a race as I've ever been on. <laughs> Two slick trees on the way to a third final tree. You know? it, was kind of, it was kind of a, on a cat you already caught. Yeah. But the cat I had already caught. And I love those view boys. Don't get me wrong. And they're great guys. And and they, they are tough, and they'll probably jump me next time I go over there. <laughs> Get your ass kicked. For... They are. Those <laughs> That's okay. I'm finding a, a theme that's like, okay, Phil talks crap about you, then we got to have you on, and you talk. It's going to be a podcast that we just chase the, 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 that's the shit That's the seven talking. degrees of bacon. We can roll the Cody. I, I tell you, and we can roll Don the... Davis, but, man, if you say something wrong with Donnie, he'll just drive up there and start swinging. <laughs> so you're keep he's him a, out of it, He's like it? a 50-year-old freaking team roper with, like, I, I've seen his temper. I, I, I'll tell you just another quick story. We are at a wedding, and, and Donnie was telling me about how he had caught, like, five or six bobcats in a day, and I just – I was half intoxicated, and I figured I'd try the word bullshit, and I called bullshit on it. And uh, <laughs> holy cow, he, 
he got so mad at me. He started slamming his fist on the bar and his vein was popping out on his forehead. And my buddy John and Bobby were on down the bar and they're looking at me and they're making this like sign, like cut it off. The bartender's calling the cops. And I had to go over there and give old Donnie a, a big hug just to calm him down. Man, he's a, he's a scrapper, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys are fun. They're a blast. We'll just we'll just start with one story and then it goes to the next guy. And by the time we're done, we've just we just wiped out the whole houndsman. Every houndsman oh, has wow. been talking I'm, crap. We got about. a series. I probably just lost an invite to freaking to hunt the big holes here for <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Oh, by the time the whole the whole hound world will be it'll be a domino that just knocks us all down. <laughs> we've been circling it back down to He can defend uh, himself. So, so talk crap about you, so we had to bring you on and then to the next and the next and we're just like, oh, yeah, those guys, they're, they're good. They they actually, they, they're so good. They they generally let me turn my dogs loose first when I go up there. I mean, I'll never forget the one of the first times I went up there, they, they let me turn loose on a really nice tom, and it was falling the creek bottom, and they, they, they acted like they were jumped, and they were running up across the forest, and here comes this big old bull moose coming across our outfits, and all three of my dogs just screaming behind it, you know, and buddy Donnie just looks at me and says, uh, Oh, got the, some lion dogs there, eh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Top notch, man. Yeah, top notch, man. Top notch. All right, Nate. Well, we'll wrap this up. This has been a good one. This has been a little fun. I, I, yeah, uh, same here. I had a good time with you. Might again, be, it might, like Jason, it might be our last one. This is our yeah closing <laughs> podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. It was a good stretch. We didn't make it a year. Thanks for, thanks for killing it, Nate. I appreciate it. You killed it. Sorry, guys. I apologize, man. I, hey, don't know. apologize, man. That was awesome. That was a good one. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. You guys take it easy, man. See you, bud.